0: Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to
1: happen, but it does. AM fourteen twenty WBSA presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Rosko.
2: South Coast. Let's see if we still remember how to do this. I'm still Tim Weisberg. Are you? I believe so. I think I'm still Matt Austin, The silent assassin. Yep. What was your other new nickname? I have many nicknames. Yeah, there was another one that you were recently assigned, but I can't remember what it was. I don't know. Was it the ninja? Something about that, yeah. And, of course, science advisor Matt Monies is here as well. Yep. And uh, we are here to talk with you about the paranormal, as we normally are each and every Saturday night. But we have been off the air for a few weeks because of NFL football. But we are back. Yay, we're back at least until baseball season. I think we have baseball season this year. So we'll see what happens. But uh, definitely tune in each and every Saturday night at 10 p.m. Eastern time or whenever the Bruins get over. Well, we will... Discuss the world of the paranormal, and we've got some very interesting shows uh, here. As we enter, we're almost into year eight, nine. We're going to celebrate our eighth anniversary coming up uh, at the end of this month, and we've made some changes—a few in, in, in format, a little bit of a change, a little, little few change. I don't think it's really going to be anything that the listeners have to worry about. Uh, it's going to be a lot of things that are just amongst ourselves, but. One of the things that we've discussed, and we have a very serious emphasis on this this year, we feel like there's been a lot of back and forth discussions just between the three of us recently, and we've gotten away from the guest format, which is what has made this show work for so many years now. Uh, and we, we don't want it to be about ourselves, and I know that you know some people are going to email me, which you can do, SpookyCrew at com. Some people are going to email and say, well, we like hearing about you guys and what you think, and I understand that, but... This show is guest-driven. This show is uh, supposed to be about the guests. It's an opportunity for you, the listener, to hear what the guests have to say. We're just the conduit for that. I always say we're just the monkeys that come in here and push the buttons. We are a bunch of monkeys. Because somebody has to push the buttons in order for this to work. I think you already are. Mm you know, I, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you were the one that was stealing the cigarettes in the cage in Project X. <laughs> Virgil, you fly. Uh, but, uh, but the, the, really that's, all, that's all we're really here for. We're the avatar for the audience. And I don't mean that we're blue and naked. I mean that we're here to kind of be the, um, You know, we're the fill-in for the audience. If you have the chance to ask these guests these questions, hopefully those are the questions that we are asking. But I'm going to make a deal with you, the Spooky South Coast audience. We're going to get back to this format. We're going to get back more into the guest-driven discussion. But we need you to be part of it. And I know a lot of you listen on podcasts, tens of thousands every week. Download the podcast because it's more convenient for you to listen at another time. Whether you're in a different part of the, the world, hello Australia, we got some emails today. Uh, whether you are working and you use Spooky South Coast to help you get through the day, hello to Angel and everybody else who listens during the workday. Uh, I can understand that you, you know, on Saturday nights you might not have the opportunity to listen live, but I know there's tons of you out there listening live every week. And you can either call in on the phone lines, or you can jump into the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com, which I did not open. Did you have an open that? It is that open. Right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Open it, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. I was trying to remember everything that I had to do <laughs> after two weeks off, but I, I forgot the chat room. So you can either jump in the chat room and join the discussion there. But the best way is to call. We need this program to be more interactive. There's three of us on this program most of the time. Sometimes some of them, one or two of us can't be here. But there's three of us here on the program it's still not enough to ask all the questions that need to be asked. We need you, the audience, to be the fourth co-host of Spooky South Coast. So please, please get involved every Saturday night. The numbers are right on our website, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. You can ask questions via email by emailing us, SpookyCrew at com. You can ask us questions via Twitter, at spooky sc. Or at wbsm fourteen twenty. We each have individual Twitters as well. Matt's at Smoking Monkeys, M O N K E E Z. Yep. I'm at Tim Weisberg. Moniz is at what the hell is Twitter? I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but those, there's so many ways to get a hold of us, and so many ways to be involved in the discussion that really, really, there's no reason for you not to be. So I, you know, for everybody that complained over the last few weeks because we weren't on the air. Yep. You know, and some people get a little bit angry about it. They feel like we're not doing our jobs by not putting on the show. Well, we can't help that. Right. You know, the shows that we could do on our own without doing it here on the station, they're pretty terrible. <laughs> but, if we're gonna do our job, then it's your job as the audience to become part of this discussion every week. Is fair enough? I think
3: that's fair. I agree.
2: I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, make anybody go to work here. <laughs> I'm just saying, we need you to be more involved. Help it's, us out.
3: it's the listener show just
2: as much as it is our show more so it's it's yeah. more so seriously if it wasn't for the if it was for the if it wasn't for the listeners and the the feedback that we get and we always welcome feedback if we're bad right absolutely if you hate us if you love us if you are indifferent to us if you want to have Moniz's babies email us spooky crew at com. <laughs> but if it wasn't for the audience we probably would have given up doing this a long time ago Yeah. Met some cool, cool people doing this. We have, but we've kind of made it to the point where, at least in terms of our own edification and education, you know, we feel like we could go off and learn without having to have this format of interviewing people via the radio. Sure, it's great to be able to do that, but not to toot our own horn. We probably reached a point where we could probably call these people up and just have a telephone discussion with a lot of them.
1: Uh, generally we do.
2: But. We come in here because the, of the audience. We come in here for all of you. And I'm not trying to complain here. It's, it's it's a great job that we don't get paid for, but we're happy to do it. But I'm saying, you know, we need you to be more involved. Uh, we're Keep re- us on our toes.
1: I, I was going to say, we're rewarded in different ways, not monetarily, but through information that we gather from, like you said, our guests. We have a vast array of very intelligent people that we have access to. We also learn a lot from, like you said, our listeners when we go out into the field and they talk to us about what they want out of us, what they want to see. So we we do get rewarded in some manner.
2: That said, money would be way better.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, speaking of involvement the uh, the chat room is actually down right now it's down so yeah. it's uh what the there's par- server
1: maintenance on yeah, our yeah apparently there's chat
3: a, a pal talk uh which is a software that we use uh they're doing some routine maintenance right now for yeah. our, the next 15 minutes so figures like my why not do it like right, right in the middle at, of uh, yeah Coast.
2: right at the start of the show so do you think they do you think they listen and they know they probably I think do. They do. I think so. I think what it was is they heard my rant here, and they're like, <laughs> "We'll show you, Weisberg." It was right when you started too. It just yeah. Popped up, so, but I mean, <laughs> like I said, I'm not trying to say that we're ungrateful for having this opportunity to come in here. I know people would kill to have this chance, especially to be on an actual, real radio station and, and put on a show like this. I'm saying that you know we're entering into our ninth year yeah. of doing this program. We need you to help keep us on our toes. So we'll go forward with that uh, coming up. And so, really, we, we want you to be more involved. The phone numbers are right there. If you have a question, don't sit on it. I, I can't tell you how many times I get a Facebook message or an email later on. Of You know, I listened to the show, and I thought of this question, and I really wanted to ask this person, well, we gave you the chance. You have to do it. So that's your job. We'll keep doing our job. And part of our job, this is another thing that I've been asked again and again and again and again. And part of our job, I don't know what's going on there. All right. So part of that job is, (laughs) first of all, learn the computer, which I'm still working on here uh, entering into our ninth year. But they want the weak and weird. They do. They want it. We're going to give it to them. So let's do that. Give away.
4: More bad news. Well, i got a great show for you today with some wonderful
5: weird stuff. I feel, I feel so very weird.
2: (laughs) The Week in Weird. All right, and if you are not familiar with SpookySouthGhost.com, there is an entire Week in Weird page there where you can... Hear some of these, read some of these strange and unusual stories throughout the course of the week. Matt does a great job of updating that and having these stories up there, and people share them back and forth on Twitter. You get a lot of play on that. We uh, do. On the Twitter machine. Is, so. I never thought Twitter was going to be a thing, but apparently, right? It was. But it is, and we're apparently we've been terrible at it for years now, so we're trying <laughs> to make amends for that. Right. But our first story here, this comes from the Huffington Post. Police say a Phoenix father has confessed to killing his son with an axe. Sergeant Steve Mardo says 51-year-old Gary Sherrill was arrested on New Year's Eve and booked on a charge of first-degree murder. It's not clear whether or not he has an attorney. His ex-wife called police after he failed to return their child. Sherrill picked up the 13-year-old boy a day earlier, but the mother had not been able to reach him. Uh, KNXV reports that Cheryl initially told police the boy wasn't home. Officers asked more questions, and Cheryl let them in. Police found the boy dead. He had stab wounds and lacerations to several parts of his body. Marto says Cheryl told police he believed his son was a demon and was going to eat him. Hmm. Now, I've met some pretty, pretty bad 13 year olds. Yeah. I don't know. Kids if today. Right. Yeah. Kids today. They're all demons. Every last <laughs> yeah. one. Get off my lawn. <laughs> so, I, I don't know if I would ever go to that extreme. And it's a sad so. story. I mean, we don't mean to make light of this guy killing what? his son. I don't understand why, whenever
3: there's like a demon. A suspected demon. It's always like an axe. It's always something, they have to kill it brutally. Right. Like, you can't just, I don't know, smother it with a pillow.
2: Or, like, throw holy water mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. You know, something. M- maybe so that way there, if it was a demon, maybe it would yeah. die, but if it was a yeah, regular human, it like it would an ex- just be wet.
3: Maybe get an exorcism.
2: Right. I think uh, if anybody was uh, possessed by a demon, it might be this guy, uh, Gary Sherrill, So so there's uh, there's one story there. Here's another one that was pretty interesting. This one got a lot of play on Twitter. Eleven visions of the future that were utterly wrong. These are things that were predicted in advertising and magazines and everything back in the old days. Back in the olden days. Back when Moniz was in his twenties. And uh, and these are things that uh, you know never really came to be. Number one, helicopters for everybody. We've all got I'm helicopters, right? For the
3: helicopter.
2: We know some people that have helicopters, but we don't. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has them. Number two, underwater cities. Uh, Number three, outer space factories. Okay. Number four, Uh, this comes from 1900, American civil engineer John Elfrith Watkins thought that we would no longer use C, X, or Q in our everyday alphabet, that they were unnecessary. I thought that one was pretty weird. Here's the thing. How can they be unnecessary? There's a C in unnecessary. I suppose you could use the S. Super smart and useful animals. We have yeah. some
3: helper monkeys. There's a few.
2: Horses would never be replaced by cars. Right, dude. dude. <laughs> Nuclear powered vacuum cleaners. Oh, I could use one of those, let me tell you. Flying houses. Now, the only flying Ooh. house I know of was on Christian Broadcasting That's Network. Like who? Who? <laughs> who predicted that one? Uh, Pixar. Yeah. <laughs> the movie oh. pump. Number be, nine, railroads so would suffocate passengers. Okay. I don't know how the people would die of asphyxia on, uh, and also, <laughs> home computers, who needs them? I, say, I thought that was Moniz at first. Throwing, throwing away a computer throwing a computer and Throwing away a perfectly good computer. No. <laughs> and number eleven, human labor would soon be obsolete. We're getting there. Right. It's not so much that so the need for human labor is obsolete, it's just humans' ability to work has become obsolete because we're just fat and lazy. <laughs> Alright. Now for this next story for this next story, we're gonna turn down turn down the week in weird music and we're gonna run a special bit of music for this one.
3: Oh my god, Becky, look at her butt. It is so big. She looks like one of those rap guys' girlfriends. Who understands those <laughs> rap guys? <laughs> they only talk to her because she looks like a total prostitute, okay? I mean, her butt is just so big. I can't believe it's just so
5: round it's out there. I mean ugh, gross. Look.
2: She's just so loud. I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brother probably one of the only rap songs Moniz likes. (laughs) Ah, yes. In a world obsessed with size zero skinny jeans and crash diets, Sarah Massey stands out at its widest point around her impressive bottom. Her body measures seven feet in circumference. Doorways occasionally prove a challenge, but her amazing curves are definitely not without their benefits. Massey's found a lot of fans online, further proving that beauty comes in all shapes and sizes. Although Candace has yet to come calling, she's proud to say that she thinks her butt may be the world's biggest. (laughs) I believe that on the internet they would call this presented without comment. (laughs) Alright. If you have a story you would like to share, or maybe you have a healthy butt you'd like to share, you can tweet it to us at SpookySC, and we'll be sure to give you credit. (laughs) Well... Has to be under 140 characters, <laughs> or under seven butt. feet in circumference. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Wait, we gotta get to
5: it. All
2: right. You knew I was gonna have to do that. It's really dangerous to put me behind the board when we have uh, the the hip hop music playing. All right, so there you have it. That is the week and weird for this week again. If you want to share a story with us, just tweet it to us at spooky sc. That's the way to get it to us, and we will make sure that we give you credit for sharing it with us. Oh wait, I got to turn that off. I'll figure this out eventually. Too many buttons. There we go. Alright, we're gonna take a break when we come back on the other side. We will be joined by tonight's guest, Josh Mantello of Berkshire Paranormal Group. We'll talk with him about a whole variety of topics in just a few minutes on Spooky South Coast here on WVSM.
1: Don't look now, but Spooky South Coast is creeping up behind you right after this. I will amuse myself with terror. Start your Saturday with local talk and Tim Weisberg. We know how busy you are during the week, so when the weekend comes, talk with Tim about what's on your mind. Tim Weisberg, Saturday morning from 6 to 9 on AM 1420 and WBSM.com. Hello, ghosts. Come in, ghosts. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen. I think something is happening. Oh! Great Odin's Raven. Beaming from the studios of AM fourteen twenty WBSM into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast.
2: Welcome back in, Tim Weisberg here, along with the Silent Assassin Matt Costa and Science Advisor Matt Moniz. And joining us on the line, we have tonight's guest, Josh Mantello of the Berkshire Paranormal Group. Have I, if I have not, hung up on Josh? Are you there with us, Josh? I am still here. All right. So many buttons to work here tonight, and I'm so rusty at it. But it's great to have you back on. We haven't talked to you since uh, since last spring when we had our our uh, legend trips event out at the Houghton Mansion.
4: Yeah, it's been a little while, but it's I'm glad to be uh, back on, and it's uh, good.
2: Well, and there's been some some changes with your group uh, and and how things are running now. You're actually able now to get more out into uh, the world beyond just the Houghton Mansion.
4: Yeah, we, uh, you know, it was something that was kind of had a, a long time coming. We, um, you know, I saw myself really as um, becoming like a one trick pony in the in the paranormal world. Uh, a lot of times, you know, and I would do something that was, you know, Josh from. Josh from the Houghton mansion or you know and you know I which is great and i I love the experiences we had there and and uh it was it was a great uh, platform to to get out and and really learn the field and got me an opportunity to to meet uh, a great many people out in the uh, in the field and make a lot of good friends and you know it was kind of time to to pass the torch along and and and, and branch out and and do some more I had a lot more aspirations and aspirations in the uh, field that I kind of wanted to, to, to do, but it's tough when September and October, the, the busiest times of the year, I was tied to, to one place.
2: Yeah, and that but that happens a lot of times. You know, a group becomes known for a certain area, uh, for a certain location. They become known as kind of the vanguards for that location, and it becomes almost a stigma. You know, it becomes almost as if... Uh, you're not expected to ex- expand beyond that you know you have to be pigeonholed as the houghton group or as the lizzie borden group or or what have you wherever it may be but you become known as the group that runs that place and that's unfair because uh, it really kind of puts a damper on what else you can do
4: right and you know and i appreciate you know the opportunities we had while we were there and and it was it was fantastic there's there's a group of people now that are kind of taking over and and kind of taking the torch and they're gonna hit some bumps in the road on their own you know you know and and who know hopefully they have you know a great decade like we did and you know they're gonna be doing everything we did over the over the last decade and i'm gonna be you know stepping out you know i'm starting to work with another mansion I'm out here in berkshire county that's you know, looking for, uh that's known to be haunted and looking for a little bit of help. And, you know, we're really excited to be working with them. And, you know, I'm going to try to sit down and maybe write uh, write a book of some sorts. I don't know yet. You know, you know, get out there in the public eye a little bit more. I've, I've spoken around New England and a couple of different events and conferences, and, you know, and I'd like to get out to some of those. But, you know, another thing we're really excited about is the, the chance to do some private investigations. It's It's something that, you know, the group and I really – haven't had a chance to do. We really miss the, uh, you know, the mystery of a private investigation. You know, when we were doing one thing for so long, it's like we kind of knew what to expect out of the same building after ten years. You know, uh, you know, I have a private investigation coming up at the end of the month, and we're really excited because it's something new. It's we're actually going to investigate because it's looking for something we haven't experienced yet. You know, some new evidence, some new spirits to maybe talk to. It's it's going to be a lot of fun and. You know, it's really re-energizing and reinvigorating the uh, process in the group, and we get a lot of excitement around it.
2: See, now, the, to me, you know, I've been to the Houghton Mansion just that one weekend, and to me it was phenomenal because, you know, I was experiencing all kinds of things, and it seemed like every time I turned the corner there was something else, but that can become old hat for anybody if you're there enough times. Now you're going to be able to investigate different types of activity uh, and really have more of a breadth of experience. There's probably people in your group who have only investigated the Houghton Mansion and haven't had the opportunity to see the paranormal in action in other locations.
4: Yeah, cause we we've brought on some new people over the last couple of years who, who, you're absolutely right, haven't had the experience of private investigations. You know, In our earlier years, we the Houghton really gained its popularity, we did a lot more. You know, and then as the Houghton gained the popularity we really started to get tied down. So anybody who's really kind of been involved in my group in the last five or six years, you know, they maybe only have one or two investigations outside of the actual building. So it's you know, they're they're happy to kinda of get those new experiences. I think I have one or two people who've never been outside of that one place. So they're they're ready ready to go. I mean Previous to to that, we had we were all over. we were investigating southern Vermont, upstate New York, northern Connecticut, and, and you know all over the Berkshires here. You know it, it, the 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 want really just kind of dropped off, and you know we're not a group to solicit. I, I've always been a firm believer to I don't like to solicit investigations. If you need my help, you can come to me for it. So mm-hmm. you know people weren't coming to us as much for it. We weren't soliciting for the investigations, so they just weren't there, and you know it's. It's going to be fun. It might be a little bit of new training experiences, you know. You know, it's it's going to be different because we, for the longest time, just knew what to expect and when to expect it, and you know, maybe now we'll actually get a little bit of a, a surprise into us every now and then, right. for once.
2: I mean, I will say, you know, when you took us on the Friday night private tour of the mansion, it was almost like you could uh you know, look at your watch and just point up to the to the air and know that a certain thing was gonna happen at a certain time. You know, it just seemed like you were so finely tuned and attuned with that building that you could kind of tell what was coming uh and, and what you could expect in certain spots and in, in when certain factors were involved. And now going into this, I mean this must be you said invigorating, but it must be kind of like starting all over again for yourself because you're gonna have the opportunity now to uh step into these new circumstances and use your equipment, your senses, uh, your team members in a way that you've never had the opportunity to before.
4: Right. You know, I always, you know, I always kind of use the adage when I was there, uh, to, to relay, you know, I'm not, I don't claim to be a psychic or a sensitive person like a lot of people on the field do, or, and my group doesn't really have any psychic or sensitives, um, that work with us directly. Uh, sometimes we do have some that will come in and work with the group, but we, uh, it got to the point where I could just almost have that sixth sense in different parts. You know, I could say, you know, this, you know, you're right, I got in tune with it. You know, I could tell the feelings of different rooms at different times. You know, in essence, I was a, I was a, a sensitive in just the X amount of square feet of that building, but I lost all ability when I walked out. It's kind of like, you know, when you're with family members you've, or anybody you've known for a long time, that, you know, you can tell their moods just by the feel of them. And I think kind of that's what the building grew on us and, you know, and me. And we kind of just learned to see that mood uh, in, in a sense. It, it,
2: one of the uh, – I suppose one of the handicaps uh, of being in one spot all the time, uh, too, is that uh, – it's it's almost like being locked into one method of investigation you know we always say that when when uh a team goes into investigation after investigation with the same approach and they never broaden their horizons and they never learn and they never uh, incorporate new theories and new ideas that they're handicapping themselves and they're limiting themselves and do you feel like you were limited by spending you know a decade in one building do you feel like you've been limited as an investigator
4: I think it definitely um, stunted our growth. I guess is the uh, the best way to say it. Uh, I was really fortunate that over the over my time that I have had the opportunity to uh, get out and help with some other groups. Um, you know that would have me go along as a guest investigator, or I would work with other uh, uh, pair conferences or events around um, around New England. Where it got me to an opportunity to do a few different locations. Uh, a, a new location we're working with now um, here in the Berkshires called Venford Hall. Uh, we did something similar to what we do at the Houghton, uh, but it was a different place. And I really, it, it was the same thing we do, but a different mansion. And I really felt out of my element for the first couple hours. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm used to being able to walk around without even a flashlight because I know every nook and cranny to almost being, having a lost sensation so, you know, it was different. You know, I did have the opportunity. I said we did a lot more private investigations and stuff um, in the beginning part of our years, uh, which was really good for me and some of my more seasoned investigators. I think for our, our new people, I think it might be a, like you said, you know, it, it's going to be a new experience for them. and I think it will be kind of a, a growing experience because, you know, how I usually will conduct a private thing or how I would conduct something at a at a private house really is gonna be completely different because it's it's something we're not looking for what's expected anymore. It's gonna be looking for what's unexpected. You know, we're not looking for what we've always had. We're looking for something new. And um you know, we've we're gotten used to enticing or you know, coaxing these certain spirits the same way, well the ones that we might be dealing with for now on aren't gonna to react to the same coaxing, the same uh, the same you know, the same stimulus that you know the Holton spirits have always reacted to for us.
2: You know, we experience it ourselves with Legend Trips, especially when we are returning to a location that we've been to a number of times. Say, for example, Lizzie Borden's, which uh, I'll just throw out a quick little plug here. There's one ticket remaining for our February 22nd Legend Trips event at Lizzie Borden's. Go to legendtrips.com if you want to get it. Uh, it will not last. However, uh, we experience the same type of thing where when you are involved with something that is uh, – uh, there's a tourism aspect to it, when, the, when you're bringing people in for events, then it becomes less about uh, what's unexpected and more about, as you were saying, what is expected. It's, it's not about seeing about whether or not you can have a paranormal experience, but whether or not you can put on the paranormal show, so to speak. So it becomes less about what is going to happen and more about, gee, I hope this happens again. And it really changes who you are as an investigator and it changes your approach of what you're able to do when you're, you know, when you're hoping for it instead of just uh, investigating for it.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I see that. I see that a lot. And even from, you know, from the standpoint that, that you guys do with Legend Trips and, and what I did for so long is you you almost become more of an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you almost feel like an entertainer than an investigator. Um, I don't know if, if you feel that way sometimes. And, you know, you know you're you like, oh, man, these people paid some money and I really want something to happen to them. Not that I ever made anything happen. I don't want sure. to make it sound that way, but it's like, oh, you know, you really you want to push it as hard as you can. You want to do what you can because, you know, you want to, you know, it could happen. You know, and, it, and if something doesn't happen, I almost feel let down. I'm like, oh, man, the, the building didn't perform tonight or the spirit's been it. Do what they were supposed to. I almost felt guilty for you know, you know, at some aspect. You know, I've always equated the you know some of these things that you know, where it's a a, a paid admission kind of investigation as a, a whale watch. You know, if you you pay to go on a whale watch, you're, you're not guaranteed to see a whale. And I always try to say, you know, I know you guys are here to see some spirits, and I really hope we get a chance to. But you know, take like a whale watch. Hey, hey, there's no guarantee, but. Gosh, I'm going to try my hardest, and we're going to really get out there, and hopefully something happens. And you know, most, you know, some of these really well-renowned places, though, there's usually a, a decent percentage of people that do. You know, I just always feel bad for those who don't.
2: But I mean, you're right. You do have to become an entertainer, which actually will take you out of your element as an investigator. Will make it so that you would do things that you might not normally do in the course of an investigation, or yeah, it I'm... might. I'm sorry, I was going to say it might also make you do things that you're just tired of doing. You know, the the Lizzie Boyden leg lift, for example. You know, I mean, how many times now have I seen that happen? But when we have these events, it's something that everybody wants to try because it's their first time being there, and they want to see if they can make it happen and have it happen to them. So I have to sit there on the floor for a half an hour <laughs> waiting for somebody's legs to get lifted up. Yeah, yeah,
4: you know, absolutely, you know, and you're right about it. It kind of forces you into doing something you maybe wouldn't typically do as an investigator, and I've actually found myself, like, Splurting out some sort of disclaimer of sorts while I was doing tours or something, I would say, you know, typically some of the stuff we, I would do, you know, yeah, I would do. Like if you were to call me to your house and say, you oh, Josh, I feel my house is haunted, uh, you know, will you come and either debunk it, prove it, document it, whatever the, your, their case you know is? There are things that I would do in a tape setting in a well-established haunt. That I would never do or pass off as evidence in a private investigation, i.e., if you know we're sitting in a circle and a K two with a K two meter and it flashes twice, you know, in response to a question. Now, in a uh, well-known haunting that's already been established and documented, I would say, "Geez, everybody, this might be some really some evidence for the night." Where if I was investigating a private setting, I would say I would need more. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that the standards for what we kind of call solid proof in a private investigation is a lot higher, which it should be, because a, we're dealing with somebody's well well being or their you know their state of mind, or just trying to put them at ease. Versus you know the, the evidence and the in the proof has been spread out over a longer period of time in a well established place like Lizzie Borden or the Ho in or any one of these. Uh, Spooky or paranormal destinations.
2: Well, we are talking with Josh Mantello of Berkshire Paranormal Group, and if you have any questions for Josh, you can give us a call 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. You can also jump into the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, and you mentioned how you might, you know, need more on a private investigation uh, than you would in in the public setting and in a charged uh, investigation. And you mentioned the K2 meter. Now, a K2 meter is something that I might not even use at all in a private investigation. It's it's one of those visual uh, elements to the experience to me more than it is collection of data. But you find yourself, you know, using things that will provide that connection for people you know i I don't use dowsing rods if i go on an investigation but if i have a legend trips event i bring them with me because just because i don't want to use them doesn't mean that somebody else won't i Uh, never use ouija boards but i will bring them on a legend trips event because other people will use them
4: yeah i do the same thing i I use a a dowsing pendulum you know a dowsing crystal i'll use them in an event but not necessarily in a private investigation it's Well, I think, you know, what it is, is, you know, a K-2, I'll use it during an investigation. But for me, during a private investigation, a place that we're trying to be the first to document, you know, the first to document something within it, Mm -hmm. it's, for me, It's you need to compile multiple pieces of evidence around one area. So just the K-2 itself flashing is nothing, but if the K-2 is flashing with a documented EVP at the same time and maybe a picture with an anomaly in it, or temperature fluctuations, multiple pieces of of evidence, or or something collected in conjunction with that one would would then in turn maybe would boost it up. Where again, I wouldn't maybe necessarily have quite as much going at the same time in a, in a more public setting.
2: I'm going to ask you this question, and I want you to answer it honestly and truthfully. Were there times with investigating the same location all the time and leading groups into the same location all the time, were there times that you may have lost your passion or your interest for the pursuit?
4: Um, I've always had the passion for the truth, you know, and I think that's what you
2: said. Let me me, me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. station for the South
1: Coast. AM fourteen. That'll,
2: that'll do it too. Uh, a different way of asking the question: Did it ever reach a point where it stopped becoming fascinating and started becoming mundane?
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's when I really made the big decision. You know, this past fall to to, to kind of move on. Is it, it did that? You know, I was giving a tour of the same building weekly, as well as investigations every other week, and it was. It was. It was mundane. It was, it, I, I felt myself becoming scripted in what I said, and I was actually frustrated when the spirits didn't follow the same script sometimes. <laughs> and when it got to the point when I could stand up and I said the same things over and over again, the same script, the same routine, I felt like a robot walking through the building following a specific routine. And, you know, and it, it was kind it, of it was, said, you know, you know, it's it's time to to break this routine, you know, and and get out there a little bit better.
2: <laughs> Everything was fine until you caught yourself yelling at the spirit of John Witters for missing his cues. You know? Yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah, almost. <laughs> you know, it really was. Yeah, I was like it it was. It was it became roost and scripted to me almost and it was you know, that's when I said, you know, Josh, it's time to uh to to move on here it's gonna be the same teen every September and October and this is the only place I'm ever gonna investigate again. <laughs>
2: You know, there's some people who have been in this field for a long time who feel like eventually we need to lose our sense of wonder about the paranormal and get to the point where it is mundane, where it is old hat, that that is what would make us better investigators. I, I think that that's bogus. I think oh, that yeah. if the minute you lose that, that, uh, that, that sense of wonder and you lose that sense of connection with it, then you become jaded and you have no business going out and doing it anymore.
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a fairly skeptical ghost hunter. I I really need to be shown some solid proof for me to really buy into something. And, you know, I've had plenty of opportunities to buy into a lot of the places that I, I've been to. And it's, you know, I think that wonderment that need to, to see more and want more is the is what makes you look around the corner that you wouldn't normally look around. It's what kinda of makes you explore a little bit deeper into a haunting. I mean, we've all been to these places where, you know, there's that little dark corner that you maybe you wouldn't want to go into, but that wonderment if is a ghost in there, is experience in there. Without that, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna lead you into it. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think when you have that adventure experience, you know, wanting to find more and, and you, you gotta, have, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You gotta have that.
2: Well, I mean, what was it that was the impetus for you getting involved in the pursuit of the paranormal to begin with? I mean, was it something that had been a lifelong pursuit or did it just uh, reach out and smack you in the face one day?
4: Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, it did almost kind of reached out and smack me in the face. Um, you know, I wasn't, a lot of people in the paranormal, um, you know, they, they grew up in some sort of setting. They grew up in a haunted house. Um, their parents were into, um, into it or some way or another. And so they kind of grew up with this natural wonderment. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have a, like a weird experience as a child. But eventually I, I joined the Masonic Lodge, which was haunted. And, and I was working the midnight shift um, on the police department at the time. And what better to do to pass your time but to listen to paranormal radio? And I was in a lot of coast to coast AM. And you know, I've heard of ghost hunters, paranormal investigators. You know, this was before TV shows and in the, in the field kind of took off. And I said, "Geez, we have a haunted building. We should get it investigated." So we actually contacted the New England Ghost Project, and they had come out and did an investigation. We observed. We were there and kind of took part the best we can as kind of the clients. And it, like you said, it kind of smacked me in the face. I was there, there was a moment in the night where. Thing was happening, and I remember holding, you know, uh, some form of a EMF meter, and it was triggering. And I was like, "Why is this triggering?" like, "Well, it could be a spirit." And I would put my hand out, and it was really cold. There was this really intense cold spot and EMF spikes. And I was there was a point when I just reached out, and I was feeling cold with my hand, and saying, "I could be touching a spirit." And at that moment, when I had my hand there and it was ice cold, and thinking to myself, "I could be." putting my hand, it, it, I was drawn in from that moment. I started buying up equipment, you know, reading the books and going to conferences and, and learned as much as I can. Uh, you know, I really f- took a passion into paranormal photography because I grew up as a photographer. My dad was a photographer. And so I really took a passion into the paranormal photography aspect of things and really, you know, you know, took a passion into that and, you know, and just snowballed into, you know, what we are today.
2: And uh, coming up in the next hour, I do want to talk with you more about uh, paranormal photography because that is something that's becoming more and more uh, of a controversial topic uh, to the point where a lot of people are saying, just leave the cameras at home, don't even bother anymore.
4: Uh, you know, i I, I, I got to disagree. I think they're, they're, they're great for investigations when they're used properly. And they're used properly in two reasons. One, to document what's going on, you know, maybe not to actually capture the spirit, but to actually document the action, you know, it's better than, you know, a picture's better than a thousand words, you know. And, you know, secondly, you know, when it's used properly, um, which a lot of, you know, I have a lot of, uh, I do a lot of speaking on that, on that subject alone and writing, you know, and if you have the right settings, when you use a tripod, when you do the right things, you know, certain stuff just can't be debunked. And, you know, when you look at it that way, it's, it's just another tool. You know, and, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of different tools we can use. And I think it's an important one. I, I, I do think we need it for two reasons. One, documentation. And two, they are things that are out of this, you know, out of the normal. And, you know, we just gotta use it properly.
2: Sure. And there's some discussion going on in the chat room on, on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com where, uh, the discussion is about you know the idea of legend tripping and going to these events and how you know that can't really be considered a paranormal investigation and i know that in our experience with legend trips i would agree with that you know this came up on the uss salem uh, this past august where You know, someone asked us how we were able to conduct a serious scientific paranormal investigation with 60 people on the ship and in the manner that we were doing so. And I, we kind of had to look at the person that asked this question and said, we're sorry, but we think you came to the wrong event. You know, we think that maybe you kind of misread the way that uh, we represented this event because you can't do that in the course of one of these events. You can't have an actual scientific investigation. What we can do is we can give you a taste of the paranormal. And we never advertise it as being, you know, a full-blown, full-fledged investigation. But that doesn't stop – you know, legitimate long time investigators from wanting to come along as well as a bunch of new people. And I'm sure that in all the events that you've done, I know that when we were there with you, this was the case too. You have a clear line of demarcation of, you know, what you would do in an actual investigation and what you were doing in the quote unquote for entertainment purposes only event.
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I always kind of, you know, will mention that. And you know, it's, it's funny at, at the, at the events and all the ones I've done. Like you said, there are actually well-established groups who are very familiar with the more scientific side of things, and they typically will just break off and do their own thing. They will find a quiet corner of whatever building or place they're in and do their do their thing. And then you'll actually also have the amateurs. The I don't want to call them amateurs. You know, the, the people who are just there to hopefully experience something, not the regular ghost hunters. And they would typically kind of partner up with somebody that's more seasoned, or like myself, or somebody who's more running the event, and we'll go out and hopefully give them a taste, you know, hopefully get them an experience. You know, I know the the last event I did um, down at um, Ventford Hall, I had a group of yeah, 10 people with me, four or five of which were regular investigators. There were others were just everyday people who just thought it'd be cool to hang out in a haunted house till 2 a.m. And they ended up having small pieces of tile thrown at them and the women in the room having their legs rubbed by somebody. And, you know, they walked away with a paranormal experience Yet we weren't conducting a true hardcore investigation.
2: Right. And I've always found that when you have people who are coming to an event, and it's their first time ever doing, and they, you know, they make no bones about it. They tell you when they walk through the door, "This is my first time doing anything like this." And you know, those are the people that you say, "Well, gee, I hope you have something that convinces you that this is a worthwhile pursuit." I'm, and if I brought you into a room and showed you uh, any piece of evidence. Whether it be video footage, photographic evidence, uh, something coming up on the meters, anything. And let's just say for the sake of argument, you know, the meters can prove the paranormal. We know that that's not what they do, but let's just say that that's what it was. You know, you have this little thing that you hold in your hand that when it goes off, it's the guarantee that there's a ghost in front of you. That would still not be enough to convince people as much as if they're standing there and just feel something. If something touches them, or if they, they are enveloped by a cold spot, Something like that. That means so much more than any kind of data you can throw at them.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing, as it's on, I, I've, I've started to get into blogging, you know, and I just recently wrote my, a, a blog on, a, on my webpage, and it was kind of along those same lines. We're actually starting to make the meters the experience, and not helping us point to the experience. So, you know, I've countless times I've seen, we. Always, I go back to the K2, because, you know, everybody's staring at the little green light you know how many times have we seen it we're doing an event with and somebody brings a K2 and everybody's sitting in a circle staring at the green light waiting for the green light to flash mm-hmm. in all reality a spirit could be standing behind them and nobody would know because we're too busy staring at the green light right you know and you know we all get excited if the if the green light turns red or yellow you know we've actually started to become you know the meters have started to become the experience and they, that's not the case. You know, the, the experience is the touch. The experience is the, the disembodied voice or, you know, something physical. So, you know, you know, I try to always remind people of that. Don't let the equipment become the experience. Let the equipment point you in the right direction for the experience because you didn't pay 35, 45, $100. You didn't go to a house to investigate and prove a haunting for somebody to see a light flash. You you came to see a spirit, to feel something. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the paranormal experience, not a set of lights flashing.
2: And, uh, you know, we can discuss this more coming Mm -hmm. up in the second hour because we're right up against the news, but I, I think it's less about being able to prove anything. You know, you're not going to, so why go in there with that approach? Why not go in there with the more, I guess, metaphysical, spiritual, what have you, the more approach of just experiencing it and putting yourself in front of it that's uh, yeah. that's going to be more beneficial to you than any kind of data that you collect I don't know why, though, that's such a hard concept for people to grasp. But we can discuss that coming up more uh, in the second hour, and uh, we can talk about a variety of topics. We can also take your calls at 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. You can also tweet them to us at SpookySC. You can jump in the chat room on spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. Those are the ways to get in touch with us throughout the course of the next hour. Uh, again, I do want to remind everybody we have one ticket left. Left for our Lizzie Borden event, Dead of Winter 2014. It's coming up February 22nd at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. You get dinner, you get lectures, you get a historical tour of the house, uh, which is a, it's about an hour-long tour. and uh, You also get hours of guided investigation throughout the house as well. So a rare opportunity to have uh, the Lizzie Borden house to yourself. It's limited to only 25 tickets sold. 24 of them are gone. One is left, so it's your chance to come and experience it. And Really, that's what Legend Trip is about. It's about giving you the opportunity to get into these places. Uh, We'll talk more about that coming up in the next hour, but for now, stay tuned for the news. We'll be back in just a bit here on Spooky South Coast. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't
5: supposed to
1: happen. It does AM 1420. WBSN presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Wiseberg and Matt Costa.
2: Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Wiseberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll, we'll get right back into our discussion with tonight's guest, Josh Mantello of Berkshire Paranormal Group. And I do want to mention to everybody out there listening, uh, we get a lot of requests from people who are in paranormal groups and ask us to have them come on the show and have them as guests. And we had to make the determination a long time ago that we can't really feature groups on the show. Because there's so many of them out there and it wouldn't be fair to spotlight some and not others. And so the way that we've always kind of done it is we've said, if you are part of a group and you have something that will add to a discussion, we will bring you on and we'll find a way to, you know, discuss that topic. And it'll also kind of promote your group as well at the same time. And so that's kind of what we're doing tonight with Josh. We're talking with him because to me it's very interesting to see somebody who was kind of embedded in one paranormal location for so long kind of get back out there into the wide open field. And there's the good and the bad associated with being tied to one location. So that's pretty, pretty interesting to us. And so, you know, if, if you're out there and you're part of a group, and you contact us to be featured on the show, and and we say, you know, hey, listen, we don't do that, you know, I just want you to understand that that's kind of the rationale behind it. You know, I'm, I'm just putting it out there so that people don't get offended, because so many paranormal shows are out there that they'll just have people come on who are part of a group, and to the listener, the person who runs Acme Ghost Hunters... Smith and Jones, paranormal investigation, what have you. You know, it all kind of just blends together. It's all just a big ac- alphabet soup because you're all running around using your acronyms and stuff. So it's all just a big alphabet soup that nobody can follow. Uh, so this way here, it's, it's more about the subject matter than it is the group. Subject matter and location, not
1: so much who's investigating it type. Right. Of
2: yeah. You know, and, and if you have a different approach, uh, if, if your group's trying some new, di- some new, uh, uh, tech, you know, new tech or trying some new techniques, you know, those kind of things, that's what we want to hear about. That's what we want to learn about. And that's what we want to share with our audience. Uh, also we want to share with everybody. We were supposed to have Eric Martin call in from New England Ghost Finders. Uh, I think that maybe he probably got tied up. You know, they're pretty busy, uh, looking for active investigation. And you never know when they're going to get called out onto to uh, something. But this is something of local interest because coming up on February 1st, they'll be holding a fundraiser at the Hollywood Scoop here in Fairhaven on Howland Road. Uh, the They'll also have a movie day there as well showing paranormal movies all day that are based on actual events. The New England Ghost Finders group will be there with their laptop playing some of their EVPs and sharing some of their evidence with people who come. There will also be food sold that day with Ooh. a paranormal theme to it. Really? So that sounds pretty good. Mm. I don't know. Although if I bite into a ghost burger it, and there's nothing there, I'm going to be pretty pretty upset. like a
3: Halloween where you have the, like the the ball the the bowl of witch's eyes.
2: I don't know if it would be yeah. bad like that.
3: No. Hopefully. I I
2: don't mind the witch's eyes and the witch's hair. It's pretty good. <laughs> I'll eat that. And so this is going to be a way for them to it's a fundraiser. It's going to help this organization New England Ghost Finders raise money to get equipment. Now, normally if somebody said, Hey, we're doing this fundraiser because we want to buy ourselves some equipment. I'd be like, yeah, well, we're not going to help you promote that because why would we? You know, that's your own personal business venture. And, you know, if you can buy advertising time on the radio, like everybody else does. However, they're going to be taking a portion of the proceeds that they raise and donating it to the homeless in the area, which uh, anybody that knows me knows that that's something that I'm pretty passionate about. And uh, also, uh, Eric has been very involved in a lot of search and rescue efforts, especially with Dana Dorderville missing. And I know that he's a very civic-minded and, uh, you know, very charity-minded person. He gives a lot of his free time to helping different causes. So I know that they'll be making a, a pretty significant donation. And, uh, of course, I'll, I'll talk to Eric about this off the air, but I know one organization in the city that could definitely use the help, uh, that being Mercy Meals and more. So, um, again, this is happening February 1st, so maybe we can have Eric join us for a few minutes next Saturday night uh, to discuss that. Also, I'll say one more time, too, we also have one ticket left for our Lizzie Borden event, Dead of Winter. That is also helps raise money for uh, these historic haunts where we hold our events. We've raised over $17,000 so far to help these places. And we are planning some pretty big things for 2014. Jeff and I had numerous conversations about this. Uh, we've decided that on the docket for this year is to definitely find some new locations to add into the repertoire of places where we hold our Legendships events. Mm-hmm. We're already working on one. Can't say anything about it yet. Looks like it's going to be coming together for April. And it's going to be awesome. Because it's a place that I've never been to. It's a place that a lot of you have probably never been to. Not a lot of ghost investigation goes on there. So we're going to have the chance to get in there. It's a state away or two. Yeah, it's New England. Yeah. It's a little bit further than we've traveled in the past, but that's okay. April's right around the corner, too. so It is. That could, the bomb could be dropped any day now. It could be. Right. In fact, it probably should have been by now. If I'm we can on the edge s- of my seat. If we can sell that one last ticket to Lizzie Borden, I guarantee you that we will make the announcement within a few days of a sellout for that event, which, you know, normally our Lizzie Borden events sell right out. I'm surprised right. that it's, it's, it's lasted this long. I think it's because of the Christmas holiday and everything. What's really going to be interesting is to see what happens if it holds out until the Lizzie Borden movie premieres on Lifetime coming up next Saturday night. Huh. Now, if it's still around by then, I guarantee you it will be gone by the time that that movie is finished. By the first Absolutely. commercial break of that movie, it'll be gone. I haven't,
3: I haven't seen anything on that. Does that actually look like it's going to be a decent movie for a lifetime? I or? don't
2: know. Well, it's going to be Christina, Christina Ricci. Yeah. Oh. She's Which, good. She, yeah. is, she used to be good. She used to be hot.
3: Yeah. I don't know. What happened?
2: <laughs> now she's making a lifetime movies, but uh, I'm sure that anybody who is interested in Lizzie Borden will be tuning into that movie, good or bad. Uh, so we'll we'll have a review of that coming up for you, and uh, I'm sure I'll be writing some blog posts about it on wbsm.com and on spookysouthcoast.com as well for people to check out. We're going to get back into the discussion now with our guest Josh Mantello of the Berkshire Paranormal Group, and and Josh, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit there about, you know, using a business venture here with uh, this one organization. They're he- having this fundraiser to raise money to buy equipment. That's a very blurry line for people in the paranormal community, is when you can actually make a profit or at least you know, bring in some sort of finances uh, with the paranormal. And I'm sure that that's something that you probably suffered some slings and arrows for over the years with the Houghton Mansion charging people to come in and investigate.
4: Yeah, I mean it was I mean, everything we did was always for the uh, for the building. Uh, there was never any uh, personal gain right. or personal gain monetarily or or profit um, to anybody on that. You know, you know, all expenses were pretty much well, all expenses were paid out of the uh, the profits of the events and the events. Um, all the monies went to either the the lodge or the the building itself. You know, we got a lot of flack from some people who, you know, more skeptic, non-believer types who used to think it was a a scam to to get people to pay for something that doesn't exist. You know, and we used to get kind of a some some hard times about that. But you know, you know, I'm not here to make people believe in anything. But, but it, I mean, it was it was very profitable for the building and. and you know, and it really helped. I mean, if you saw the place 10 years ago, versus but it looks like any time now, it's, you know, they had a lot of great renovations and a lot of, you know, a lot of improvement because of the money that uh, was raised uh, from these paranormal events.
2: Well, and that's the thing, though. They see the fact that there is a dollar value affixed to the ticket, and they immediately start jumping to conclusions. And, I mean, I will never sit here and defend what we do with Legend Trips because there's no need to. I think, yeah. you know, $17,000 raised for these places speaks for itself. And the repeat customers who come back again and again, who, by the way, are mostly seasoned investigators, you know, to have them come back again and again. What's our return rate? It's pretty high. It's in the high eighties. Uh, Which, you know, find me any entertainment venture that brings back, you know, sequels to movies don't have an 80% retention rate. But anyway, I'm not here to toot our horns about that. But, you know, I will never defend it because there's no need to. But I will say that people don't understand the breakdown of one of those tickets. For the experience that's provided. You know, you you say that you're coming to this event and, you know, we're feeding you pizza and salad and and chips and soda all night long, all on the house, all included. When normally you'd have to pay, you know, money to go and do that, well, that's a factor. You know, that factors into it. The money we get to the location factors into it. The fact that if your batteries run dead, you come and ask me and I give you a new pair of AA batteries, that factors into it. You know, these are the things that people take for granted. When they're at these and they don't realize that that's where most of the money that they're giving is going to. And then when they see, if they ever could see the bills for these places, especially the insurance, I can only imagine what the insurance must have been like for the Houghton Mansion to have people traipsing about in there all the time, especially in the state that a lot of those rooms are in. You know, you're, you're probably carrying a pretty huge insurance policy.
4: Yeah, it's you, it's the, um, People don't really kind of realize the the overhead and the man hours that actually go into a uh, something of that capacity. I mean, I'm just now starting to plan something out. You know, it's the end of April, and you know, I I'm starting to plan that out, and it's not too long the the same group that are the, the same building. I'm going to start talking to them about Halloween in October. You know, and right. you know that's ten ten months away, but it's time to start thinking about it. You know, so there's a lot of man hours and a lot of, you know, effort that goes into this, too. And, you know, especially for something where there's really no profit.
2: And, and the, the funny thing is, is when people look at it uh, at face value on the surface, they start to uh, wonder why you can't do certain things. And, and it, like, one of the things that we always get asked to do is we get asked to bring people out into the Bridgewater Triangle. Let's go out into the Freetown State Forest. Let's go out to Profile Rock. Let's go out to the Assonant Ledge. Uh, you know, let's do all these different kind of, uh, adventures under the guise of legend trips. Well, first of all, good luck even finding the insurance company that would write a policy for that. Right. It would be astronomical in price. And bottom line, we just wouldn't feel comfortable. We wouldn't feel safe enough doing that. Leading 30, 40 people into the woods in the middle of the night.
4: No, no, that's definitely a uh a good idea. We used to get the same thing, you know, in this area you have the Hoosick tunnel, which is, you know, very well known haunted. Sure. So it's probably one of the most haunted places in, in America, you know, spirit for spirit. But it it's an active train tunnel with bricks and rocks falling from the ceiling. You just can't go there. And I I most certainly can't say you're going there with me
2: because I'm just an accomplice. Exactly. And it it's a crime. It's trespassing, it's private property. Right. Yeah, you know, and so they think, well, you, know, you can charge us to go into Lizzie Borden's. Why can't you hook it up for us to go into the Freetown State Forest or the Hoojack Tunnel? No, no, we can't do it. And even if we could do it, we probably wouldn't because it's not safe. We cannot guarantee your safety, and that's kind of the the thing. I mean, we can never guarantee anybody's safety a hundred percent. That's why everybody signs a waiver when they come to one of these events. But you know, we don't want to put you in a position where you are in inherent risk, and that happens a lot and private investigations you know that from your your time doing it you know you never know what you're going to step into when you're stepping into somebody's home
4: no absolutely you know it's i've you know i've seen you know unsafe floors you know you know creaky attics you know you know that i thought i was going to go through the bottom of you know it's you know you got to be careful you know as much as you want to you know stay in the complete darkness sometimes you know you need a little bit of light to make sure you don't you know fall through something
2: and what's funny is, you know, uh, not not to get all plumbers on you, uh, but when when you go and do a lot of these investigations, you can debunk some of these things and say that they are uh, physical problems with the building, and the the same problem that they're calling you about that they think is something paranormal could be something that leads to you hurting yourself.
4: Oh yeah, I've I've been, yeah, you know, I've had one or two investigations where I left saying, you know, if you don't have a ghost, you have. Just a really old noisy house.
2: It, I remember one that Moniz and I did, uh, the Braintree Town Hall. Years ago, we did this, and, and it was a you know a charged event. We were just guests. Yeah. Uh, we you know we weren't running the event or anything, but uh, it was something that they charged people to come and investigate. And one of the claims was that there was a certain hallway that when people walked down it, they felt sick. And all it took was walking in with Moniz's tri-field meter and and seeing that needle just completely bury itself. I mean, it, this needle moved like Moniz driving in the odometer. <laughs> you know, it was this thing was buried and. W- I felt sick. I felt like I was going to vomit, and I'm not sensitive to, to EMF at all. Normally, when we go to other places, I might feel a little bit woozy but never nauseous. This was so bad, it made me nauseous. We walked around the corner, and there's all this unshielded old wiring that you you could just put your hand out, and it felt like a force field coming off of it. It was so bad. And so you know, here we are investigating this because they think that it's something paranormal, but now everybody that bought a ticket is running the risk of going down there and feeling sick.
4: Yeah, I've I've, I did a house like that once, a a small apartment actually. It was a small one bedroom apartment, and the woman constantly felt like she was watched. Uh, She felt uh, a lot of anxiety, Um, you know. You know, typical uh, symptoms of high EMF exposure, and you know she she was sleeping with her bed kind of set up right where the fuse box on the other side of the wall was. That was just really not up to code, and uh, you know we debunk that and a oh man, I suck, but I think you should at least move your bed.
2: <laughs> right, yeah, and that's, people don't understand you know, those, those factors, and, and they're even less likely to believe it when it's a ghost investigator that's coming in and telling them that stuff too, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, I didn't call you here to give me a, a diagnosis of my electrical system or of my plumbing or what have you. You know, I called you here to tell me about my ghost. Has has there ever been uh, in in your experience in, in going out into these uh, investigations? You know, have you ever gone to somebody and said, you know, I don't think there's anything paranormal happening here, but and, and then they argue that point with you and they they tell you that you're wrong.
4: Um, a couple times. Uh, no one that was really that passionate about it, though. I mean, I've had you know, I think the, the, the couple times that it has happened, they've been well. I respect what you're saying, but I'm going to disagree. Uh, and you know. I've, then I'll just pretty much answer the same way. I respect your opinion, and we'll we'll both just disagree. Um, You know, but I look at a lot of what we do, especially when we start considering private investigations. Um, I like to think of uh, any paranormal group that's conducting themselves in private settings as a service organization. You know, we're here to perform a service for somebody, and we're here to help make them, in most cases, feel more comfortable within their home, and sometimes we, you know, that's what we're doing. I, you know, by telling you it's not a ghost, we just made you be able to sleep more comfortably at night. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to, you know, let you either A, know that you don't have a demon, you know, you're not going to end up being possessed, and, or you don't have a spirit. You know, I look at it as I'm going in as a, to perform a service, uh, like a service-based organization to help you at the end of the night or in a week when we're done compiling to be able to make you sleep better at night. You know, so if you don't let, you know, what I say at the end of that, then, you know, you shouldn't have called me, I guess, you know, because, you know, there are people who are out there who feel that if they have a haunted house, then they're going to gain popularity for some reason. And, you know, that's, we're not there to help you gain popularity because you have a haunted house. We're here to, to help you in your house, either A, come to terms with what you have and understand it or you know if you know depending on your religious belief maybe hopefully help you maybe remove it or expel it you know whatever your belief is or just debunk it and say you don't have a ghost
2: well, we are talking with Josh Mantello of Berkshire Paranormal Group, and you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420, if you have any questions for us or for Josh. And, uh, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, being a service organization, and Moniz, I know that that's something that you, you share with Josh.
1: Yes, uh, being a Freemason myself. I got a question for you, Josh. Do you think being a Mason has helped you or hurt you being a ghost hunter when you're going?
4: Around? Um. You know, I I think you know it's it's kind of impartial. I think you know it did help me kind of you know you know knowing what you know the organization stands for and you know what Freemasonry does. It does kind of help me look at that standpoint you know from for helping somebody for us as a as a service group as opposed to. You know, an an entertainment group, or you know, I, I sometimes I see other groups, and you know, and and question why they're investigating. You know, are they investigating for their own self purpose of collecting evidence? Are they investigating for their own um, self popularity, or are they investigating to help people? You know, and I always, I you know, and I you know, masonry it is about helping people, you know, shriners and. You know the Masonic hospitals. There's you know there's countless the, the millions of dollars that are donated yearly through it, and you know it's definitely a a large influence in my life. So I really can't say that it has nothing to do with it because I think you know it being such a large part of my life, it obviously is rubbed off on me to the point where I, you know, I I always feel we should be performing the service to help first before any of our, you know, self gain or uh, personal gain or personal evidence collecting. Within the field, you know, with, you know, especially when we're conducting private investigations, they're kind of more public things. They're something different, but you know, when we're when we're going to people's houses, we're here for them. We're not here for our personal gain.
2: Well, see, now that you're not tied down to one location, Josh, I think you and Moni should team up and go on a little tour of all the haunted Masonic lodges around here, because he's been telling me that so just, many of them are. Yeah, I, I've I, this, a little pet idea. I wanted to do like
1: a small, you know, haunted. Uh, mason hall book type of thing you
4: absolutely i i would think it'd be a fantastic idea i mean when you look at the history i mean i'm just talking about massachusetts the history of freemasonry in massachusetts i mean the brothers of a lodge in boston met at the lodge called a recess to the lodge and then dumped a bunch of tea into a harbor and you know after the lodge i mean you know you know the history in, in ghost hunting and history go hand in hand the history and the what goes on in the in the age of these buildings it, it, it's unfathomable, you know the amount of spirits that could be attached to these.
2: It's only a matter of time before we hear the commercials with Ben Franklin telling us ask, ask about our ghosts, <laughs> yeah." All right. I think we have a call on the line. If you would like to call in with a question for Josh Mantello, you can do so by calling 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Good evening. You are on WBSM Spooky South Coast with Josh Mantello. Good evening.
5: Good evening. Five minutes ago, I was actually I was like going back and forth in my head. I wasn't sure if I to call in that specific question. My head was bouncing all over the place. But I also caught what you were saying. Sometimes in the midst of what people say about organizations or should it be investigated or looked at, it's like you and, and I like what you said, Josh, it's not about masons, or any group out there. Any group that has a charitable group means love and charity, which is a good thing. But as anybody anything knows, sometimes I hear the word like haunted or ghost. Obviously, that's like a negative connotation, but also like the way you brought that back, too. Basically, when people do something good, true to my understanding and I've worked a lot of years in community with different levels of non-profits and uh, 11 associations anonymity in anything the true spirit of anonymity spirit means strength is that doing something for good or to try to help clear up a situation that they're going to be recognized because it's just the right thing to do? do you believe in that Josh
4: oh yeah absolutely I mean
5: because that, that's why cause I heard what you were saying, because you, you didn't just put it on you. You said there's other groups, even though you're not part of them, so you acknowledge that, that that's so... And Tim knows me a little bit, and um, I sit there and I look back at different things, even like, say, last year in this community, or southeastern Massachusetts. There was a spirit, like when a young man drowned, Governor 6 and they found him last week, thank God. All those people, that's a spirit that's, like, positive and forthright.
2: Right. I think, yeah, in the face of a negative situation, we saw, you know, people come together in a positive manner, which, you know, it's terrible that it takes a tragedy to do that. But
5: And, it, and the young man, the Marine, and all that, and everybody expected certain things, but nobody expected the volume of that. Right. Because, I mean, I, I, I see this and listen to stuff all day long. Tell me, I, heard, I heard somebody making jokes about somebody's bad situation a few weeks ago. Now she's making jokes about it. i was sitting on a sports I was like... I leaned back, and my friends were all joking, and they were. Like, and I made a little quiet joke to my friends, like basically let them know, like, "Come on, this ain't so funny." My nose. right? Well, yeah. You look at them and smile.
2: I mean, you also you, you mentioned the negative connotation with the idea of ghosts and hauntings, and and we're hoping that you know by being these positive forces that we try to be in the field that we can get rid of that negative connotation. We want people to be able it's to talk just about the
5: word, that. because people don't know they don't know,
2: right?
4: Well, you know,
5: people are that, that, really
4: afraid of what they don't know or they don't understand. So, I mean, that's you know, we still got to be honest with ourselves. You know, um, the paranormal is still kind of a you back, know, back a, in
5: um, the outskirt thing. Um, Saturday before Moses' weekend, I called in a Tim Show and he had a young lady. Uh, I think it was the lady you mentioned like last week, one of your good friends. And I was talking about I was going through a struggle that I'd gone through a lot, and I couldn't depend on my friends. And I moved into my friend's apartment and passed away. And do you remember that night, Tim? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I basically said, because I was like frustrated and angry, and I was like, I'm mad at my friends. And your female friend, I can't remember her name, whatever her name was.
2: It was she Stephanie. Said,
5: yeah. Stephanie, you said, and she said, I think, I'm not trying to mean nobody's psychologist or yours, but I think your struggle is when you're tired and you've done the best you could do to protect females more than the situation, you're expecting your friends to at least like, say, hey, are you okay? And then you stepped in and said, but obviously, you're reaching out now, calling us, and it doesn't, and you, and you said almost like that little joke, you, and me, and 10,000 people listening, but you said, obviously, you're doing this because it means something. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've seen Stephanie two or three times since then. I see you all the time. You guys, maybe that night weren't quite on it, like what it was, but what you know you didn't, you maybe step back and breathe and say, wait a minute, there's a good positive spirit here. Because you could read to it, and I knew she could. I was at that point of frustration, like I was going to like lash out at them and like, Fight them and argue them. In other words, if you think that, if you think like I'm not worthy, well, let me give you a reason not to. And I think you and Stephanie saw that, and I thank you guys both. Huh. Here we are, I'll like eight, nine months later, and I'm listening to you guys, and it all comes full circle.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much for the call.
5: And some people, like, they, they tell me about your show, and know what they do. Well, I tell them. So, some let you don't like, the, you, don't, you don't like the content, listen two or three times. Because it's not just about just negative things and things that are like you can't want right, yeah. want to. What about the good things? And we, like, we, like we, This morning I talked to you briefly. Oh, by the way, how did William
2: do? Oh, they, they didn't win. <laughs> but that's okay. They're not supposed to win. Did they get
5: beat by 130
2: points? Uh, No, it was close. But the oh, important okay. thing is so they, they raised a lot of money. nice and
5: charitable. There you go. But, you know, like I said, I, I can make jokes with the best of them. When it comes to serious stuff like this, and your friend Josh here, so. But thanks again for. You guys have a format. That fits a niche, and it's also very compassionate and caring. And that's the part that aggravates me when people, from what they think they know, is like, I tell them, listen, two, three times. Right. And then you tell me that this guy's not compassionate. You being on some people, you, even though you know them, you actually, like, you combat them because you have different points of view, but ultimately it's for, for good purpose.
2: All right, well, thank so, you so much for the call.
5: I thank you for that, and you guys have a good weekend and be safe.
2: You too. You too. And if anybody else would like to call in 508-996-0500 877-996-1420 and uh, you know that we try to do that we try to make sure that we cover everything from all different approaches we try to be agenda free as much as we can some things we can't though Josh you know some things we have to kind of soapbox a little bit about and I'm sure that you feel the same way with a lot of things in the paranormal and I know one of your passions as we mentioned in the first hour is photography and yeah. you've probably seen how photography has been bastardized by the paranormal community over the last five or six years
4: and you know and rightfully you know and some of the stuff people are passing off as evidence at least in my opinion and i can i can really get on a big soapbox when it comes to this sometimes you know it it's you know it's it's not real i think you know photography is a lot more than you know point a point and shoot camera and and a lot more than just taking your little point and shoot and, and clicking a picture you know there's you know, there's a much bigger science behind it, especially when we're dealing with low-light situations. You know, we go at night, and there's a lot going on in that little camera that can make for things to look paranormal or supernatural, and that, you know, you just don't understand. You know, so I can understand, you know, why people kind of jump to certain light streaks and orbs and things like that as, as spirit activity. You know, and I just, you know... I try to educate as many people as I can behind, you know, you know, what causes an orb versus what doesn't, you know. When can an orb actually be a spirit versus when it could not be a spirit, you know. You know, when is that light streak, you know, a ghost or not a ghost? You know, cause, you know, I think I've, I've seen some really good spirit photography. I've also seen some really bad spirit photography. And, you know, and, you know, when you kind of do a, paranormal photography for dummies almost you know or just you know say this is how a camera works people kind of suddenly understand they go oh geez you know I didn't realize there was this thing called shutter speed and when it's slower every minute movement of my hand makes every light streak and look like a ghost you know so when you kind of slow it down for people and give them the opportunity to almost understand what's going on with that camera it it kind of opens their eyes
2: well, and, and that's, uh, I mean, that's really the key is understanding what you're using. And it doesn't matter if it's photography or a digital recorder or anything. You have to understand what it is that you have in your hand and how it can be utilized properly. Uh, and
4: I think a lot of people take for granted that, you know, especially nowadays with, you know, with digital cameras being so inexpensive and almost, you know, throwawayable. Or
2: you know, in everybody's pocket in their cell phone.
4: Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, I mean, think about it. You know, almost everybody has a high-resolution camera in their pocket, you know, in their phone. That's something that was, you know, you didn't have 10 years ago. So, you know, it, you know, people have taken for granted of it, and they kind of don't take that chance to step back and understand what's
2: happening. And my absolute, and we can get into this a little bit later on because we have another call on the line here. Uh, but the the proliferation of ghost app photos. And the morons, and I really can't think of a nicer way to put it, but the morons who will defend those photos to the hilt as being legitimate. Oh, yeah. And I can show
4: I, you. I, I've had people yell at me because I've told them their pictures weren't ghosts, and I flat out insulted them, but you know, it was nature of the business.
2: But when I can show you the exact same ghost from the app, you have to just give up at that point, but, but people won't. All right, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420 numbers to call in. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Josh Mantello. How are you?
4: Hi. Uh, I'm a first-time caller, in, and hi, Josh. I just wanted to go ahead and ask you. I'm kind of new into this whole paranormal thing, and I wanted to know some good books or tools to use as research to research um, the paranormal and stuff like that.
2: Wow, where to begin with that? Yeah, that's a,
4: that's a good one. Um you know
1: Hans Holzer
4: it, there's a lot of books out there and and it's and honestly there's a lot of books um based on different forms of ghost hunting i mean there are tons of different types of investigating Probably one of the favorites the one that really got me um into it was ghosts by hans holzer it's a really thick book but it is really in depth and um it's not too over the top and too scientific but not also too ghost hunting for dummies either it's it's good it's solid um it's big too so it's, it's a it's a good long read
2: yeah it's like four or five like bibles stacked up together that's how huge this thing is also makes a great doorstop in the summertime uh but <laughs> if i mean if you want to start off basic you know our friend chris balzano wrote a book called picture yourself ghost hunting which will get you started at the very basic level and, uh, that'll kind of at least get you some of the overview of it. But that, that's the nuts and bolts of it. You really, and I contributed to that book. Of course.
1: Yeah, don't, don't mind our ugly mugs in the in Yeah, the
2: book. yeah, we're, we're all over it. We don't get a cut though if you buy one. But the, the important thing to do is to make sure that you don't follow the same vein uh, throughout the course of your research, you know, don't just stick to, say, the Holzer method uh, for everything you do. You have to read different approaches, different theories in order to have a more re- well-rounded uh, ability to decide what it is that you want to believe and what you want to use as your um your window into the world of the paranormal. So the the more different approaches you can expose yourself to, the better off you'll be. It's, it's no different than if you enjoy a good mystery novel. You don't want to just read the mystery novels of one writer. You want to read multiple writers within the genre and see how they attack the same type of formula
4: that Absolutely. you also have. Absolutely. Help. That's, That's what I was going to say, because everybody has, you know, their own view and their own side of doing things. Even the way I probably investigate is a little bit different than the way Tim investigates. You're not saying that one is more right than the other, but find the niche that's good for you and what you're comfortable with.
1: And you also may Uh find that there's different applications that you can take from different parts and used in different places. One application may work well for one place but not another.
2: Yeah. And, and depending on where you're located, you know, if there's multiple teams in the area, see if you can shadow them on some of their investigations and see how they do things. You know, some some groups will use the psychic, some groups won't. Uh, some groups are strictly tech. Some groups will leave all that stuff at home and just go out for the experience. So there's uh, that's the important thing. The more open-minded you can be about it, then the better off you'll be and the more you'll learn.
4: Okay, thank you so much for taking my call and answering my question. Um, I was wondering if I could call in later in the hour and uh, ask Matt Moniz a question about the whole alien abduction thing, if you wouldn't mind.
2: Well, you want to ask him right now? I'm, I'm here. You can sure. ask him if you want. Um,
4: I wanted to go ahead and ask you, like, um, what your theory is on why they would be abducting, like, people, I guess. Uh,
1: one of the main reasons is they're looking for genetic material. In order to assimilate into a biosphere, you... If you come from somewhere from beyond You have to have some of the genetic material That allows you to work in this biosphere In other words you got to have the right genes To be able to process the materials from this planet So they're taking raw materials Integrating it into their DNA And creating something that can work In this environment In their environments For whatever purpose they have planned for Does that answer
2: your question?
4: Yes sir, thank you so much
2: you're all right. Welcome. Thank you so right, much guys. for the call. And thank you for listening. All right. Don't do, don't be a stranger. Call again. Okay. And that's that's everybody's assignment this year. More calls from the audience. That's what we need. See see how much better the discussion goes when the audience gets involved and doesn't count on us to to do all the heavy lifting. Uh, getting back to the idea of these uh, these ghost apps, Josh, uh, I almost feel like it should be kind of required. You, you know, everybody says, "Well, if you're a, if you're a paranormal investigator and you download a ghost app, you know, you're part of the problem." I don't think that's the case at all. I think it should be required that if you are going to go out and analyze photographs, that you should familiarize yourself with all the different ghosts that are on these apps. You should know yeah. what it is what you're looking at.
4: Exactly. You know, um, it's. It's, um, you know, the, the ghost apps, yeah, I, I still kind of question, you know, what the technology they're putting in there to help capture it, you know, supposedly. Um, but. Well, I mean, it, with the
2: photo ones, they're really just giving you a photo to embed, you know, a ghost to embed into your photo. Yeah. You know, so it's basic, like, Photoshop stuff. These other apps, too, I mean, there's a lot. See, I won't ever take them uh for what they they are in the description. You know, I will contact the app manufacturer and I will ask them that we'll program or programmer whatever and I will ask them what the genesis is of the app. Yeah. And and I found that some of them, you know, the ghost radar for example, they just want you to have fun. And uh-huh. so they they're not trying to push anything. So that's why you get all these blips and all these things happening. But some of them, the ones that I find are more intriguing, are the ones that aren't even made for paranormal use, but just have that application.
4: Right. You know the ones that can actually measure, um, you know, minute, you know, forms of uh, EMF fields and things like that. You know, because there are some really sensitive equipment within our phones. You know, you know, radio antennas and gyroscopes and electromagnetic detectors are there. It's just you know trying to capture the ability and you know and functioning properly with it. I guess.
2: Well, one of the apps that I found to be very useful, and I used it at the Houghton Mansion, was the the Idiotizer, which is basically just real time EVP and yep. it's it doesn't cost four hundred dollars, it's free,
4: yeah, exactly,
2: but then you know whenever you pull out a phone, a tablet, what have you, you know some people are just basically skeptical because it's so easy to manipulate the data that comes into those
4: right i mean even even some of them that aren't even apps i mean i even you know i I grow skeptical even of like your your audioes and some of the ghost boxes uh. You know, I'm, even those I'm still not 100% bought into. I, I'm still, you know, skeptical of what's causing that. You know, who's to say what a certain electromagnetic fluctuation translates into what word? How do we who who determined this and how?
2: See, I think part of the issue is we're looking for something, at least technologically speaking, to be the answer, to be kind of the. Uh, you know the gateway. Like here's how we're going to be able to communicate with the other side through this device, whether it be Correct. a photo, whether it be interaction, whether it be hearing them, you know, spelling out words, whatever. I think, uh, you know, at its basic level, a Ouija board is a hunk of cardboard. Used to be, you know, a hunk of wood, but now it's a hunk of cardboard and a piece of plastic and whatever it is that you want to do with it when you have it under your control. And the same can be said for any app. The same can be said for any uh, ghost box. You know, it's just it's a, it's a device and it's all in how you want to use it. And people yeah. who are using it the right way will have the more intriguing results. And people who want to use it to manipulate to fit their own purposes, you know, they're going to have a lot of that too. Yeah,
4: absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, it's the intent of the people behind it.
2: Now, so if you are going on, on an investigation, and say it's a private investigation, not anything that you're bringing people along, you know, what's, what's in the toolbox for Josh Mantello?
4: <laughs> That's funny, because I actually have, I use a toolbox. I actually just went to Walmart and bought a toolbox to keep all my equipment in. Nothing wrong um, with that. <laughs> You know, you know, I, it's, I don't have a lot of fancy equipment. You know, I, of course we don't, you know, we don't make money off of this stuff. So we, we never really had the money. It's all my personal stuff. Um, you know I, I have the the trusty k two meter in there you know I have two millimeters i got a a, a standard malmeter with just temperature and e m f then the mail with rem and uh motion detection on it uh actually a couple dowsing pendulums dowsing rods um a bag of flour which oh, confuses people school. sometimes but you know well, that's you for know, when you make cookies in- right Right. Oh no, but you know, I think what's more sensitive and what's more can be manipulated more so easily than a bag of flour. Um, I investigated uh, a hotel once, and it, one of the one of the claims was the courtesy soaps would move around or get thrown across the room at the people sleeping. So we would actually put lay a thin layer of flour out, and then put you know trigger objects on it. And if the spirit manipulated it in any way, it would show up in the flour because it's such a you know a sensitive medium. You know, like it it. it the slightest breeze or the slightest movement, you know, uh, manipulates it. So I keep that in there. Um, um, an old Sony hi camera with IR uh, so we can document things that are going on. Um, i got a DVR system depending on the location. If it's big enough, we'll set up. That doesn't fit in the toolbox, but that's in another box. You know, a laser grid. Other than that, you know, I'm really big on the experience. So, you know, we'll have the meters in, your, in a voice recorder and then, I always have my camera because I'm a paranormal photographer. So I always, I always have my camera and a tripod with me. But, you know, it, it, again, I, it's all there. And if I take all that with me, I'll probably only take half of it out of the box, at, you know, throughout the night and, right. you know, just run a lot of voice recorders, a lot of, run a lot of video recording and try to just get the experiences and, and document it on the, on the recorders through pictures. And then if things really get happening, you know, I may use, if I, if I use anything the most, it's probably the millimeter with shadow detection and REM pod built in. So I do like to, you know, see if we're capturing light variances. Um, it's mixed results with that. But, I said, that's, I don't, we don't show up with five or six suitcases full of equipment, you
2: know. Right, well, for one thing, you don't want to spend two or three hours setting up and breaking down. No, you're, you're wasting time. One of the uh, things that I know that you're trying to work on too, now that you are, you know, not tied down to one location all the time, is you're trying to get out there more uh, on the lecture circuit and share some of your experiences uh, that you've had over the years and some of the. Uh, see, I think it's very unique to have somebody who's basically been able to run a case study over one location for a decade you know and that's something that not a lot of groups have access to and have the ability to do but you've essentially been conducting a long-term case study that uh that most people would be jealous of having that opportunity in any other kind of science you know in any other pursuit they'd say wow you know you've had 10 years of data and you've been able to thread together this narrative from it uh so i know that you have a lot to offer both in that and also with your information about photography and investigation techniques. Uh, so, do you have some things lined up of where you'll be out and uh, presenting some of this information?
4: Um, you know, as of right now, uh, I got I have one thing going on. You know, we, I, I've also kind of thrown out there the opportunity to, uh, plan some smaller scale events too for people. We're currently working with uh, uh, it's called Ventford Hall and Gilded Age Museum in Lenox, Massachusetts, down here in the Berkshires. Uh, it's a absolutely enormous mansion. Uh, it was featured on Ghost Hunters a few seasons back, and it was built and owned by Sarah Morgan, who is the uh, sister of KP Morgan. So you understand the wealth mm-hmm. you know, behind the people who built this place. But we're we're uh, planning a, a ghost hunt, an investigation that's going to be open to the public. It's really quote been talking about for most of the night and. It's going to be $35 a person, it's on April April 26th or 29th, I lost track, whatever that last Saturday is, April 26th from 5 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. We're going to go in, we're going to do some presentations, some lectures. I'm working on a special guest to help come in and do a, a presentation as well. And then we're going to investigate this absolutely enormous mansion um, throughout the night. And the last time we were there, uh, it was incredible. Like I was saying, we were in a room of about 10 to 12 people, and we were having little pieces of ceiling tile getting thrown at us, you know, from the corner where nobody was standing. And the girls that were in their room kept having, like, their legs up against, uh, it was actually one of the rooms, so the guys' room kept Kind of feeling the girls' legs and, and throwing things at the guys. So, uh, it's a fantastic place.
2: And, and you said it's a huge mansion. How does it compare in the size to the Houghton? Um, it's about twice.
4: Honestly, it's about twice the size.
2: I, I cannot believe that. <laughs> it
4: is. Um, if you if you follow Berkshire Paranormal on Facebook or like us or whatever they call it now on, on Facebook, we have some pictures of the place up on there of uh, the interior and exterior of it. It's. It's awe-inspiring. It just, just to go to look at the architecture and the size of the building is incredible of in itself. It's, you know, it was built with incredible wealth. It's, you know, one of the first three buildings in this part of the state to have electricity. You know, it's just, it had a bowling alley. There's a part when I got the first tour, and we're in the cellar, and there's this long kind of hallway. And I'm like, this is kind of a weird-shaped hallway. For the basement, and the guy giving me the tour goes, well, this is where they had their bowling alley. Uh So they had a bowling alley in the basement in the 1890s. Just absolutely enormous in size.
2: And and where is this located again?
4: This is in in Lenox, Massachusetts, um, just about 30, 40 minutes south of the Houghton Mansion, a little bit closer down towards the Turnpike in in the central part of the Berkshires.
2: Well, uh, definitely sounds like a, a pretty lengthy ride for us, but definitely worth it. Uh, so, you know, hopefully we can come out there and check it out with you sometime. Uh, one, one question that we do have here in the chat room, and I'm gonna ask this question, uh, but I'm going to preface it with the fact that neither Spooky South Coast nor Berkshire Paranormal recommends that you ever trespass into a location or go somewhere without permission. However, this person wants to know if you ever have checked out the Hujak Tunnel
4: um i i have had a few opportunities to um to go there um a few mostly legally um i was on the, i was a, a member of the police department in north Adams and there were a few times when there was actually people illegally in there and we had to go in after them so that was kind of a, a plus for me <laughs> to be able to get in there
2: um one hand and the EMS detector on the other yeah exactly you know so it um
4: I typically go there during the day. The railroad police are, you, again, usually uh, okay with you kind of being at the face of it during the day. Um, I I wouldn't recommend going in because they will be mad at you. Um, I, I've never really been able to investigate it. I've never had any experiences there. Um, there was a, a TV show that I... Was involved with for one episode where they went and shot there, and I kind of stood outside where they did some stuff around around of it too, and that was about it. You know, so as far as experiences go, I've never really had any. Um, I'd love the opportunity to get in legally and really investigate, but it's just not safe. You know, it really isn't. It's you know, not safe, I, and they're not willing.
2: Safe. They're not willing to allow it. The railroad company is not willing to allow it. Well, you got to
4: figure the amount that it's still an active tunnel. I mean, trains go through there every couple of hours. So in order to get people to investigate, they'd have to shut down rail traffic for a few hours. And if you think of the amount of money that goes across those rails on every train, it's not worth it for them no, by no, any no. means.
2: And not not for something that's only going to, if it works out right, it's only going to encourage more people to go into the tunnel.
4: One thing that may be a great opportunity, though, I will say, is um, they're actually owning a spur line, which is going to be the, like a Berkshire Scenic Railway, Railroad. Um, out of North Adams, and they're saying that once it's up and running, they do plan on having ghost ghost rides through the tunnel on an actual train. So oh, wow. that's something that's actually planned for, they're saying, 2015, 2016, to actually have that rail line up and running. So I'm really excited if that does have an opportunity, because I'm just thinking of plenty of chances to be able to get through and actually have other people do it.
2: Yeah, that sounds awesome. And I know, and I don't know how much you can talk about this now, but I know that you have some big things planned for the summer. I don't know if you want to give any of that away now, if you want to come back on the show when, when plans come a little closer.
4: Yeah, um, it, it's still really in the early works. Um, you know, I'm still kind of talking it over with the Houghton, whether they want to do it or, or not do it. Uh, but the 100th anniversary of the of the accident for um, that caused the haunting at the Houghton, is this year first and second it's a friday and saturday uh is the 100th anniversary that caused that was the accident that what we feel caused the haunt there uh it was something i really wanted to get going before we started to part ways and we're working in talks right now um where chances are something is going to happen um the capacity of it the size of it or prices and who what when, and where um it's still kind of up in the air it's kind of penciled in but definitely keep your ears
2: out for it. All right. Well, we definitely will because uh, any chance we can get to go back up, you are neck of the woods. We're more than happy to do it. It's such beautiful. It's God's country up there. And no, it's, uh, it's, I'm sure you people feel the same way about the beach, but screw the beach. I'll take the mountains any day.
4: We'll, uh, you know, you, I don't know. For me, they, they've always been here. I, I, like to, I like to walk.
2: Well, we'll trade. We'll trade yeah. uh, for a little while. All right. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for joining us. How can people get a hold of you if they want to do so?
4: Um, absolutely. Um, a few different ways. I have my own webpage, jmantello.com. This is my first initial, com. That's for any the public speaking, um, things like that, or pictures. com or, you know, our a good old social network. I'm on Facebook, so it was Paranormal. So you can like or follow both of us, jmantello.com or com. All
2: right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you real soon. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Have a great night. You too, Tim. That is Josh Mantello of Berkshire Paranormal Group. And, again, you can check out his website, jmantello.com. Uh, I am uh, looking at the phone line here, and uh, it says on the caller ID that we do have Eric on the phone. Uh, Eric, we can give you probably about one and a half minutes to promote your event here.
0: Yeah, that's it right. I apologize, Tim. Uh, things got caught up, and uh, things were pretty hectic for a while but uh, uh basically what we're doing is we're getting a fundraiser together it's going to be a fair haven on the 1st of February starting at 12 o'clock uh it's going to be at the Hollywood Scoop uh right there off of Washburn Boulevard and uh, Hoff, uh uh, Howland Street, it's actually on 7 Howland Street. Um, and they're gonna be promoting, uh, our team. Uh, what we're gonna do is that we're raising funds for the team, uh, for, for equipment and such. And we're also gonna take some of our proceeds that we get from that day. And we're gonna be uh, purchasing some food for the homeless shelter that's in New Bedford, uh, for those who don't have, you know, a place to go or, or food to eat. And so we'll be taking a portion of that and putting it towards that as well pe um, you know, if people want to know more about it, they can get a hold of us on Facebook. We have a like page. Uh, New England Ghost Finders, they can find us on Facebook. Or, uh, we, we also have a website up now, it's up and running. Uh, and that's, uh, www.negf.webs.com, w-e-b-s.com. Uh, and they can get a hold of us that way as well.
2: Excellent, excellent. So, uh, just give us one item from the paranormal menu. Do you not know anything yet?
0: Uh, well, as far as, um is, uh, from what I understand, uh, uh, Kira Emily, uh, who will, a lot of people in in uh, the Bristol County area uh, who do uh, who does paranormal investigations know who Kira Emily is. Uh-huh. Uh, she's going to be with us that day as well. Um, and wh- what we're going to do is we're, we're going to have uh, there's going to be lots of food, uh, great food. It's uh, very inexpensive to eat there. It was actually that today. Uh, but we're going to have stuff set up. We're going to have a. Um, a laptop setup where people can listen to uh, uh, a couple EVPs that we have from from some of our investigations. Uh, And we're also going to – the Hollywood Scoop is also going to be playing a, uh, a bunch of movies throughout the day, that's based on actual events, uh paranormal events that actually happen in real life. Um, so people, you know, they can sit down, enjoy a great meal, and they can watch movies based on real events of paranormal activity uh, throughout the years. Uh, I know that myself, uh, I'm going to be bringing The Conjuring with me, uh, and I know there's going to be some other movies, uh, some classics like The Exorcist, uh, The Amityville Horror. And, you know, throughout the day, and from what I understand, Uh, the Hollywood scoop is going to be extending their hours. So they're going to be open later than what they normally would be so that more people can be able to come, uh, after they're done work, if they have to work that weekend, uh, so that they can come and, you know, be able to have some extra time, get some food and watch a movie and we'll be there to answer questions.
2: All right. Thank you so Um, much. I do have to let you go. We are, we have, we have to go. Thanks.
0: All right. All right. Stay
2: spectacular, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.